I mean, I just did. I, I mean, maybe the maybe the forecast will change, but you know, driving through a hurricane to get to a game that's on TV is just a. I don't know, man. I'm too old for that. I think too old. Especially give it's this game, you know. <laughs> there. It's not like they're going to play like number four Clemson. <laughs> Would you drive through a hurricane to go see unranked Virginia play at number four Clemson? Your thoughts? Only thing I've seen drive through a hurricane recently is Middle Tennessee State. <laughs> Sorry. Well done. No, no, it was good. That was very good. everyone to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place for Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 28th. Um, Virginia coming off of a, um, um, I guess you could say hard fought, definitely disappointing in some ways, um, as I wrote the other day, revelatory in other ways. Um, uh, lost to Syracuse where somehow or another Virginia was able to keep Dr. Bob's offense in check and still not actually win the game. Uh, we will talk about that outcome and sort of what it all means uh, before we get you, get you set for Saturday night's matchup in Durham. Um, look, look, I don't know what the weather's going to do. I just know that if it's remotely close to what it could do, it's going to be a very uh, different kind of ball game than most of us probably would have suspected. Um, so we will no doubt be talking about that as well. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First in Fishersville, uh, board moderator du jour, David Spence is on the program. How's it going, my friend? Going pretty well, Brad. Thanks for asking. It's Duke week, you know, big excitement around here. Who uh, <laughs> days on the board at who days on Twitter. <laughs> and Charlottesville editor-in-chief Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, my dude? Yeah, TJ Power, big um, Anthony Boone guy. I was trying to think of like a random Duke player. <laughs> that was very random. I, that was very random. Yeah. Um, Connor Vernon. Wow. What didn't they have? They had to run a tight ends like Haverstein or Hoppenstein. They had yeah, a bunch of like a, random. They had a bunch like of that. tight ends. Yeah. Over the Noah Gray was probably the best one. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter, by the way. Or you can just follow all these random Duke football players that we're naming. <laughs> Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, we have we have not mentioned Danny Dimes yet. Um, I, now, I he's a little I, too high profile. I yeah, would say. I, I got to be honest. Like I I don't know. Maybe maybe this kid, this new kid, is not going to be the normal Duke quarterback who's just terrible when he plays UVA. But we'll we'll find out. Before we do that, let's talk about Friday nights. Um, lost in the dome, um, 22 to 20 Virginia goes up late, gives up, um, a game winning, uh, drive by the Q's. They go what, um, 11 plays, 62 yards and 437 to take the lead on a, uh, on a field goal. Um, and I, I mean, look, Virginia had some chances, at, but you know, 
you, you, it's hard. It, it, I think it's hard to lose a game this way and not come away with a bitter taste in your mouth. And yet, Virginia did have a ten-play, seventy-five-yard touchdown drive um, to take the lead. Um, you know, I. It's it's weird it, it, how this whole thing is is has sort of played out. Is weird. Um, the game itself, um, Virginia only two hundred eighty-seven yards of total offense, one thirty-eight through the air, one forty-nine on the ground. Cavaliers were three of twelve on third down, one or four on fourth down. They generated four turnovers um, and only had the one touchdown off of them. Though so technically speaking, as Ferber and I tried to get to the bottom of the other night, the stats will tell you that Virginia had four turnovers, but or excuse me, the Syracuse had four turnovers. But if you look at the drive chart, it doesn't show the one off of the the kickoff that Virginia actually scored on. Um, well, it doesn't point. show the points off of them, right? I mean, exactly. The turnover number is right. It's just it, it says they have zero points off turnovers. But even if you six. go by the even if you go by the in the drive chart, the only they only have three listed turnovers for Syracuse, yeah. right? Uh, turnovers on the first play of a drive just breaks right. stat broadcast. Yeah, stat broadcast is like it was turned over uh, off of a kickoff at the Syracuse thirteen. Like what? That's a two play thirteen yard drive. Um, so basically, in stat broadcast world, actually. After, you know, there was a kickoff and Virginia returned it, um, even though Virginia wasn't the one receiving it. Anyway, um, I, I think it's fair to say that this has been um, sort of like Brennan Armstrong hot take week. Um, he's 19 to 38 in this game, 138 yards, a touchdown, a pick. Um, he also ran for 29 yards on 11 carries. Um not having this this type of season, obviously that he had last year, not having anything remotely close. As I broke down in my column the other day, just it, if you look at the numbers and you try to compare them to last year, it's not necessarily just that. Just compare his, what he's doing this year to every, what everybody else is doing this year, and, it, and it's a it's a it's a rough, um, you know, it's a rough outcome if you do that for him. And I don't think that it's a stretch at this point, given what we've seen so far, Dave, to say that. Virginia has to have improved quarterback play if the Cavaliers are going to have a, a successful season. Now, I know that's like the all-time like hashtag analysis um, sentences in the world, right? A team needs good quarterback play in order to win. But the pieces are there. Um, the defense is, is vastly overachieved. Um, you know, the offense, it seems in, in large part, is not hitting anything remotely close to all cylinders in large part because of Brennan. Um, as you look back on this game and look ahead, um, what 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 are your I don't know your thoughts and feelings right now? Because you know I, I'm not really I don't think it's we you know we don't need to like beat anybody up or whatever no, no. whatever. But certainly it, it's safe to say I think that that Virginia has to have more from the quarterback position in order to win some games. Yeah, and I think you know I don't know you need to say more than that. He just needs to play better. The plays are there. You know, it's not a scheme thing. It's not a you know, the receive, there's some plays where the receivers, you know, a receiver seemed to run a wrong, wrong route, like the incompletion to Davies at ended a drive. I think he was in the wrong spot. Um, but yeah, Brennan, and Brennan missed a couple open guys. That's going to happen in the course of the game. Um, but shockingly, you know, if you need a hot take for tonight, I'm very encouraged by what we saw Friday night. Um, if you asked me that at halftime, I would have been like, oh, that must have been a really good second half. But, you know, seeing how, you know, this team's hurt all year, you know, all the chirping in their year. Offense has been terrible outside of a little spurty in Richmond. Um, and somehow, you know, and then we know the offense had even more pressure going to play with 
with Dr. Bob and, and Jason Beck in, in the house there. Um, and, you know, Syracuse came out and moved the ball easy to start the game. And as a team, I thought Virginia responded well. They held on. They kept the game close enough in the first half to have a chance, you know, to make it a game in the second half, and they did it. You know, the defense played a large part in that. But, you know, if I think my, my overall summation is call me crazy, I'm encouraged by what I saw from the team because at halftime – they didn't fold. You know, they made adjustments offensively. They got moving a little bit, leaned on the run game. Offensive line played a little better. The defense created more havoc. Um, and they took the lead in a, in a road game in the fourth quarter and were very close to pulling that game off. And, you know, say what you want, they're two and two. They were two and two this last year after four games, too. And they had just lost back to back 20 point games. Um, it's a team game, not an offense game. So, yeah, the offense is where we need it, but the team overall, I think we've there's some encouraging signs if you want to look at them. Ferber, I, I think it's fair to say that um, there there is a lot of opinion out there, obviously, right? As there always is about you know the, to what Dave's getting to about the um, sort of optimistic take, the optimistic view. You you included something in, in the three two one today. I thought was really interesting. Um, this is Tony Elliott speaking. Quote, where, where we started offensively is letting Dez do his deal because I know what it's like to be an offensive coordinator have someone over your shoulder. and that's So that's where we started, and now as we're progressing, we're seeing that we have to back off just a little bit. I didn't realize, and I don't think the staff realized, how drastic a transition it was from a system. Um, uh, Coach and I and those guys do a great job, but they do their system differently than what we're used to. So there's a lot of things that we're having to teach that we have to back off and go as they can absorb it. So now what you're seeing is, okay, let's just get the ball in the hands of the guys and let them go make a play as we progress and build and install what it is we have to have for the future. Now, what I found interesting about this, Ferber, is one, not just what he said and how he said it, but two, I rem- it reminded me of what Dez said, you know, like, hey, we, we called some of those deep shots early um, in, the, in the win over um, Old Dominion in part because they just wanted to kind of get Brennan going. And if there's anything that like I just want to have banished from my eyeballs right now, it's just steady downfield throws for no apparent reason, which kind of speaks to what you had in the PFF numbers. If you look at where he's throwing the ball and the, the times that those things are successful, it's it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to keep doing that. When you hear the staff now, do you think that they they kind of get it in a different way, or do you think this is more of the same just said in a different way? I think that they're starting to kind of figure out what they have and like what they need to do to win games this year. It's just taking them a while to sort of like come to grips with that. Um, I think I said it last week or the week before, I think it was probably last week. Like they seem to have gone with the approach that, um, and I don't really blame them for doing this. Honestly, it's just kind of like frustrating probably for fans, but you know, they, they sort of ripped the bandaid off with the offense. And instead of doing like a half measure, like we're going to keep some of this stuff in place and then kind of like introduce an offense that we want to run eventually, maybe next year or whatever. Um, they decided they were like, we're going to run the stuff that we're here to run and same on defense. Right. I mean, uh, you know, we're going to run the stuff that we're going to run and, and on defense that's working on the offense. It hasn't. Um, but I think like, you know, the deep shots, all that stuff, I think they're, they kind of came into the season probably in the same thought process as a lot of UVA fans, which is like you sort of take for granted that the passing game is going to be there as long as the blocking is there. Um, 
And, you know, you're going to be able to hit those plays down the field and you're going to have guys like Wicks and Keaton running open after making the catch and like turning 15 yard passes into 60 yard gains and things like that, which is what we saw, you know, definitely at least at times last year, you know, for stretches um, and it added up to a lot of yards and points. But um, I think that they're kind of realizing maybe this transition was a little bit more than they thought um, for the players and and they weren't going to they didn't take to what they're doing as quickly and it's not kind of clicking for them as quickly as they hoped. And, you know, in the spring they were kind of handicapped because they had a lot of guys out hurt and then they kind of came into the fall and I think they installed a lot of stuff. And when they go on the field on Saturdays, it just hasn't really translated to success and things. I mean, to be quite honest, just look clunky. Um, a lot of the times, especially, you know, you think about in that Syracuse game, they did okay in the second half. I mean, they scored three touchdowns. One was on a 13-yard drive, obviously, but they scored two long touchdown drives. They moved the ball. Um, they even moved the ball early in the game on the scripted series to start the game, but then there was this long period of, like, nothing. Um, they need to be more consistent in, like, what they're doing, and I think the big area of improvement for the staff probably is, um, you know, I think they made some good adjustments on Saturday to kind of run the ball more and get Paris Jones in the game and kind of get get the ball out quicker and make the thing go um, and stay ahead of the chains. But they need to come in with a better game plan from the start of these games because I think like this, the way that they started the Syracuse game, they had a nice script to drive and then it kind of just fell apart from there. And I agree with the concept that you can't just throw out the deep ball because like if you have a quarterback and receivers that can execute that, you're just handicapping yourself by never doing it. But those are throws that just haven't worked. And and if you go back and look at them, you know, I've looked at a lot of them just by every watched every game. Um, it seems to me that a big part of the problem is the balls just aren't being delivered accurately um, in a catchable situation. And then obviously you've had drops. Um, it's not like these balls are getting thrown up for grabs and the receivers are losing contested plays to DBs. It's like the ball goes out of bounds or it's like over the guy's head or, you know, whatever. And it's just not working out. And, you know, if your quarterback isn't going to hit those throws and your receivers are going to catch those throws and you don't have the blocking to make those throws happen, you need to do some other things. And I think I wrote this on Saturday after the game. Like, I think they need to start maybe considering themselves a run first team that can throw and get in the play action game and run the quarterback and things like that, rather than a, a team that's going to be like, we're going to put it on Brendan and then run the ball as like a, as like a counter. And I can't believe I'm saying that after, you know, four weeks ago, if you told me like, I would have been like, get rid of the passing game to some degree and, and just run the ball and, and help your defense, you know, get off the field and stay off right. the field longer. Right. But here we are. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say as I, I'm not ready to do that. Um, I, I think that the balance we're seeing is, is would be even more um, <laughs> balance. The balance we're seeing would be even more um, impactful if those deep shots either were different or were completed. I think your point about the accuracy of the throws is spot on. I mean, I, I've mentioned this before on the show, but it, it just it, it just looks to my naked eye like um, what – what is happening with Brennan is that he's not, he's either not getting as much information pre-snap as he was last year. And that's kind of discombobulated him a little bit. Um, or he's just, he's, he's doing a little bit too much of trusting just his arm talent and his receivers to just make something happen as opposed to putting the ball where it needs to be. 
Um, I, I think what you saw last year, um, and because of sort of the differences in the offense, it's it's fair to think going coming you know coming out of the the first few games of the season to think like man this is not remotely close and and the team's not remotely close and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think the piece that is I don't know really intriguing to me is to think that um, so much of what you do as an offensive coordinator is built around, you know, Ferber said just a minute ago, right? Like the idea of like, they finally sort of know what they have so much of what you do as an offensive coordinator is kind of building on not just like the plays that you know will work, but the way that those plays fit together. You know, we commonly will refer back to Dave's, um, you know, sentences to make a paragraph. Right. And what I've seen from the offense so far this year doesn't look like that to me, except for the running game, the running game makes sense. Right. What I've seen in the passing game is like every now and then they just have this one random play where it's like, well, let's just let the guy like throw it as far as he can. And that's basically what happens. Now, I'm smart enough to know that that's not really what's happening. But the impact on it, you know, the idea of like defenses are sort of choking up because they know you're not going to hit that deep shot. So they start sitting on the smaller stuff. Right. Because they know they know you're 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 thirsty to to go deep. Um, You know. I feel like to Ferber's point, like Dave, they, I feel like they've got to start calling it differently. And that was one of the things that was really frustrating about this game, which is they were able to sort of get it pointed in the right direction, but you st- we still haven't seen them do that for anything re- remotely close to a full game. Um, what's the next step in that evolution? How do they get there from where they are now? I, mean, I think just repetition and success. You got to have success to breed, you know, breed confidence. Um, I do think, you know, there were some tweaks they made in the Syracuse game. You know, we saw um, a couple more bubble screens out to the receivers. We hadn't, you know, we've seen that maybe once or twice all season. I think we saw one to KT, one to Wicks early early in the game. Um, and then there First was play a, the game, I believe, was a yeah, bubble to um, Wicks. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And then they had a, they attempted a screen to Hollins that, you know, the ball ended up getting kind of thrown over his head, but um so they made some adjustments, you know, and to think back, I think it was the very first draw of maybe his first pass, you know, Brendan threw a dime to Wicks, um, kind of dragged his foot. I think it was third down the first draw, um, kept the drive going. So, yeah, I don't know what the answer is other than, you know, when the run game gets going, it's going to help the play action game. Um, you just got to hit those shots. They were there. They were, you know, if you go watch the film, <laughs> you know, there was some space, there was opportunity. And they just have to get that. I don't. I don't know what the answer. Like, how does it start? It, it's just you know, some of it's footwork, some of it's mechanics, um, a lot of it's confidence. And I, you know, as an offensive coordinator, I think you know, doing little things like you know, running that little shovel pass more often, leaning on the run game, like you said, Brad. I think it's fun. They called a couple of like power runs for Brennan, which they hadn't been doing. Um, and I think you've got to you know. If, I think that's got to become part of your offense too. Like you've got to establish the threat of him as a runner just to kind of keep that linebacker, the extra man in the box from, from blitzing right away. You know, when you do pass, whether it's play action or not. So little tweaks and let's not, I mean, I think, I think Des is doing, you know, a decent job. I like some of the schemes Um, at times they don't fit together, just like you said, but you know, he's new in this job too. And, I mean, I think I texted you guys, you know, at some point you just have to wonder if Tony's going to override more often or suggest more often, you know, ultimately it's, this is his team. Um, and you know, he's got, 
lots of experience running this offense more than Des does. Um, so whether that becomes an issue, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Tony Elliott would rather not have to, um, you know, you don't want to undermine your offensive coordinator, but you know, look how he mentioned, I think, was it after the ODU game? He said, there's a couple calls he wish he had kind of vetoed. Um, you know, if there was one like on the sideline, there's one, um, I remember the play. It was when it was the driver. They threw the rub route to Davis on fourth down for the touchdown. Yeah, I guess that was yeah. to take the lead. Yep. It was second down and goal from like the five. And they the play comes in, and you can see they show Tony on the sideline, and he's got this like eh like look like I don't know like like he ver like basically non verbally like says like I don't think that's a good idea. But it was in like the play was in. So he couldn't do anything about it. Oh, and oh it was, yeah. It was yeah, a fade. Yep. It was a fade to yep. Davis. That was a fade to Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it might've been third down to play. Before. Yeah, it was, it was second or third. And I yeah. just remember being like, Oh, he doesn't look like he likes it. And I was like, yeah. that'll be really interesting to me if it like works or if it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, one thing I looked at, you know, talking about scripted plays and to me, that's like your offense needs to be successful in your first, you know, 10 to 15 plays that you, you talk about those the night before you talk about them all week. You're going to choose from a group of plays that guys are really familiar with. And, you know, four games into the season, you know, the best result Virginia's had on, a, on their first drive was this week, you know, this past week where they attempted a field goal and missed it. Um, they sort of had two scripted drives because they got the drive out at halftime. And I'm sure that was kind of set up at least to some degree at halftime. Right. So you'd think, but yeah, not yeah. as, you know, it, it's your, you got to show somebody you start the game. So four plays, 20 yards against Richmond with a punt. You know, Illinois, they intercepted Illinois' like second play um, and only went three yards on three plays and had to punt despite taking over in Illinois territory. ODU, they actually moved the ball 12 plays, but only 35 yards, so they had to punt. And then 10 plays for 42. Um, and then, what was it? I think the first field goal was like 50, right? 50 Long and then 48. Point. Yeah. And that, you know, that's another thing. Like, you know, the, you know, <laughs> I mentioned it with my opening statement, like the, complimentary you know it's a team game you know the defense played lights out defense should have you know defense played well enough to beat most teams on our schedule um and you know the special teams just you know we can talk about the offense all they want if the special teams had done their job the offense did enough too um you know they took advantage of 21 points from the offense special teams not only missed two field goals and had a blocked extra point um you know seven points there obviously because of the missed field goals i don't know if you're you guys remember, I think it was the fourth drive. Virginia got down to like the 22 and went for it on fourth and two mm-hmm. and got stopped. Mm-hmm. So they left I me. Mean, that's. And I think we were all like, good, go for it. <laughs> yeah. At that time you were, because you're like, you can't make a kick, but in retrospect, you know, maybe they kick that field goal. Syracuse took field goals all night. Um, Special teams just, in fairness did get six points back on the fumble and the kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. True. But, um, yeah, it's it's yeah, and then they the also gave up question. seven on the first drive of the game by giving up a 70 yard kick return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the kick return was not good, and the defense bowed up there. You know, the defense stopped them, held them to fourth down, and then they accepted the holding penalty, and Schrader mm-hmm. got loose. Um, so yeah, it's but yeah, I mean, back to the original question the offense. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to put it all on Brennan's shoulders, but a lot of it's on his shoulders when the passing, you know, as far as the passing game, you can great as much change as you want but there's been open receivers he hasn't hit you know he's been a little little you know, had happy feet in the pocket and i think you know now the offensive line has got four games under their belt and i started to see some things you know they gave up some pressure but 
Um, even a couple of the sacks they gave up, I think were kind of misreads. Um, I agree. Or coverage so, or like coverage sack. Yeah, you're gonna, you know, if you're going to throw the ball, you're going to get sacked. So, I mean, I think he's got to step up and trust them because I think they're playing better, especially when they got Johnson in at center. Yeah, I mean that's that was an interesting sort of revelation to me too. Is that um, you know the I, I as that Syracuse game wore on, I just was kept thinking like the offensive line. Yes, earlier in the season, you know, um, you could really point to it and say this is a quarterback that doesn't trust his line. He's you know doing his best to sort of kind of stay on in mobile. You know, and and the idea is that sometimes as a quarterback you have to sort of put your foot in the ground, right and not in the not in the running sense, but in the you know you got to take a step forward, right? Um, you you got to th- you got to really step into a throw. You got to get your momentum and um, you know your balance and all that fun stuff from a mechanics standpoint. Um, it felt like to me earlier in the season, you know, first couple games that he was definitely unsure of the of the line, and and you could feel that. I, at this point, I, I think he's just got to move. He's just got to move with the pocket. Um, there were just too many instances I thought where. Um, you know, he, it's not necessarily as bad as like he's bailing before the pressure's there, so to speak, but almost anticipating pressure that just wasn't coming yet. Um, and I mean, he's exactly the kind of quarterback you want, you know, in terms of getting the ball out fast and stuff. I want to go back real, real quick before we start talking about Duke. I do want to touch back on this whole idea of sort of who, you know, what system and all that fun stuff. Earlier in the year, it it was definitely clear to me that they were trying to run their stuff. And I think that if you're them going into this transition, considering the quarterback you had, considering the wide receiver talent you had, and considering the offensive line concerns that you had, I, I kind of get why they decided to do what they did. Um, I also understand why they changed, you know, at least on, to some degree, right, changed up that, that plan. Ferber, do you think that, they're right to keep tweaking it or do they keep need to keep repping what they've done? Because, you know, in, in these situations, a lot of coaches will tell you like, look, you're not throwing stuff out wholesale. Um, there's just not enough time to really get it in there. Um, is it wise at this point? Yeah. Especially not off of, you know, using a bye week and stuff. Is it wise at this point to start going, you know, sort of back, so to speak versus doing what they've done? Because it feels like to me, they did what they did in the spring and, and summer and you know fall camp and stuff. They did all that for a reason, and I don't know if those reasons are null and void just because guys aren't executing as well. What do you think? Yeah, it's sort of a combination of things. I mean, I also think like it's not like they're scrapping their offense, right? I mean, they're just running certain things more than other things um, and, and stuff like that, which is smart football. That's what every team does. Um, normally as the season goes along, your playbook sort of contracts as much as it expands. You take the things out that aren't working. Um, you know, if you, if you have certain situations where you're not going to have the blocking, you take things out. If you have a, a running back in, who's not a threat to receive the ball, but you need him in there for pass protection and running the ball, then don't throw him the ball. You're going to take those pass plays to him out, right? Stuff like that. If you don't have a guy that can execute what Billy Kemp does and Billy Kemp's sick, you can't run that stuff. You don't just, throw somebody in there, Grant Mish to run his plays. Um, so, I mean, I think you're going to see like tweaks along the way and, and they'll sort of figure out what's working best and what's maybe not working. And, and Bronco would talk about this too, like how they would use the bye week to sort of reevaluate everything that they had done and then maybe like take things out of the playbook. You know, if, it, if it's failed multiple times, you take it out um, and things like that. And 
I think they're right now, they're just trying to figure out like the balance that they need to strike and like what plays are working and what concepts are working. Um, and, and Dave, you're right. I think like, you know, you're starting to see some improvement from the offensive line, some more cohesion and hopefully by game 12, they're even further along. They're going to have some rough moments here and there, obviously. Um, but like, you know, you go back to that last play of the game on offense. I mean, that play was blocked perfectly. You know, he had all day to throw that ball. So, and there were plenty of other, the, the Grant Mish play, same thing. Um, the interception I'm talking about. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, it's just going to come down to like what they think can work for the players they have and like what concepts are working in the passing game and, you know, like what, how the read progressions need to go to get the ball where it needs to go and maybe simplify things a little bit. Um, you know, we heard Bronco talk about this. I, I wrote about this the other day, but you know, after that Richmond loss, his first loss, he right in the press conference right afterwards, he was like, I put too much on these guys. The system is too complicated. They, they haven't fully grasped it yet because it's new and we're just going to have to simplify things. And their defense yeah. didn't all of a sudden become great, but they were a lot better a couple weeks later than they were that day. Um, so I think like, that's kind of what you're seeing is like, Hey, maybe this is a little bit too much. And it's not because these guys aren't capable of doing it. It's because it's just too much too fast. And um, I think like maybe they thought like these guys are so good in this Anai scheme, like they're going to pick up our stuff and we're just going to keep moving. Um, and tech, I mean, like in some ways, if, if Elliot's offense is working because of the way that you read the field and stuff like that, it could be harder to stop if it's executed at a higher level than what Anai did. Um, because, you know, Anai, you could kind of sit in zone and let them take the underneath and then just kind of play bend, but don't break. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, we'll see how it goes. Um, and not to switch the topic, but, you know, the scheme is important, but the execution of the scheme is really what's holding them back right now. And I'm not just talking about, like, missing throws. Like, I mean, they had – we can talk about, like, UVA had a chance to win the game, but, like, I think if you ask me, like, do I think they deserve to win the game, I would have to say no. And mm -hmm. I don't really think Syracuse did either. Both teams had 12 penalties. Syracuse had four turnovers. UVA had two. UVA had the ball like four or five times in the Syracuse territory and got like nothing out of it. Um, so, I mean, like that's a combination of different issues, including penalties and turnovers. And in addition to all the scheme stuff and all that. Right. And miss field goals, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you're right, but that, but that's college football now, like mm -hmm. unless you're Georgia and Alabama, like if, you know, the one thing I wanted to make sure, like, yeah, you know, the one thing I noticed when I, when I got the stomach to watch football on Saturday afternoon, um, well, there's just a lot of bad, you know, the transfer portal and all this stuff. Like most football teams are very average and their margin for error is razor thin. Um, you know, middle Tennessee, Miami, like every other, every game you've seen, you know, Marshall, Notre Dame uh, last week and Notre Dame's got a lot more talent. So I, I think you just got to, you know, if you come in saying, Hey, you got to be perfect. No, no one's going to be perfect, but you're right. I mean, Virginia made some self, yeah, had some self-inflicted wounds in, you know, a couple of the penalties they got, you know, the face mask and the targeting. Yeah. They're, yeah. What, what they were both those? correctly called. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was also, I think Cam Butler got called for offsides on a big Chico Bennett sack. Um, yeah. That was on the drive that Syracuse took the lead late and it kind of yeah. extended the drive because they got 40 more seconds off the clock. Can yeah, I think Chico quick. ended up sacking them the next play anyway. But yeah, um, I think the next play was the dumb Anai, or like one of the next plays was where he called the pass play when he shouldn't yeah. have. Yeah. Oh no, which Classic I would have been talking Bob. about all day. Can we just talk about real quick that face mask penalty? Um I don't know if I've yeah. felt that bad for a kid 
in a long time because it like it was the one Nick of those... Jackson play 30 minutes earlier. Well, no, no, <laughs> yeah. that would have mean look, he earned he earned that flag. Yeah, yeah, I mean, himself, they were, right? But yeah. like, and I'm not it's saying that this play. wasn't a face mask, but like, if you go back and watch it, like, I don't think he had any clue that that dude's face was going to be there. Yeah, you he know just what stuck I mean? his hand out. He to just grab stuck his, his hand out because he's trying to grab the guy, and his face was there. And it was yeah. like as soon as he grabbed hold of the face mask, he realized it and he let go. But obviously, that would have been a five yarder back in the day. That's true. Yeah, it was definitely. Well, a also, also, he didn't realize, and there's no way he could have realized that somebody already had him tackled. Like he was already wrapped up. By That's true. Yeah, player. if he just let the play, yeah, he just let. If the he play just go. didn't touch him at all, he would have gone down right where he did. Yeah. That's <laughs> just know? one of those. It's just one of those unfortunate situations because everybody's like, "Oh, that's such a bad." And it was. It was. It, you know, it's such a backbreaking penalty because of the time frame in which it happened and the situation and stuff. But for that kid in that spot, like, you know, man, it's really it's really hard to be. You know, I'm sure I'm sure the kid beats himself up and stuff like that. But like from the outside looking in, you know, like people are just like, oh, this is the dumbest penalty ever and stuff. And you're like, nah, man, like the guy's just trying to make a play. Like he didn't realize yeah, he'd made a couple big plays in he a situation did. where he shouldn't have even been playing. So yeah, yeah. agreed. I mean, I do, hey. I do think we should, you know, before we move on to Duke, um, we've talked so much about offense and jumping and on special you're teams. Just like, stealing, that, you're stealing my segue. You're stealing that my segue. defense is so dang good, man. Um, like the defensive line, Virginia wasn't blitzing very much. The defensive line was just, causing problems getting there Um, yeah you know you got butler smiley you know carter's eating up blocks you got um akira came in for like a few plays and every time that dude's on the in in the game he just bullies people even like Devonte um, davis yeah <laughs> like davis, he made a couple like, plays i was like what yeah. is going on here isn't it weird but isn't it like you know stop me if you've heard this um already but like this is like bizarro world right not only is the offense struggling but the defense is good and where is the source? Of, it's from the defensive line. Like <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. You know, like these kids. Like I remember. I th- I'm pretty sure Ferber was the f- like when the Butler kid was out there. Ferber was like, "Yo, this dude is good." Like mm-hmm. I remember. I remember pretty clearly Ferber being like all over <laughs> that one and being like, "They need to get this dude. This guy can play." That kid looks. It's very rare for a transfer to just look like he belongs immediately. That dude belongs, man. Oh yeah. Um, and and I'm not well, saying so that the other. Yeah. I was gonna say the other dudes do too. I'm just saying like Butler and flashes Bennett. like every play. It feels like he just you know? he's not that big, but he's like super violent. He like yes, the way he he's plays. got violent. Yes, he got violent hands. He's got good twitch. He can get off the ball. Um, and that fumble, that strip too. fumble he made, like the that athleticism to turn around and jump back and think enough. You know. You know, that's he's a, a super athletic him, but... kid, man. I, it's, oh, yeah. it's, I mean, I, it's been a, it's been a long time, man, since I enjoyed watching a UVA defense. Like I enjoy watching these dudes. Plus, they've got all these young kids in the secondary who are just like flying around, like Lex Long and Sanker and stuff. Like they're going to be pretty good, um, I think, for the duration of the season. And and they're starting, to, yeah, they started to put in some more complicated stuff against Syracuse. Like, you know, hiding. You know, they've been pretty vanilla most of the season, but you know, you go back and there's a couple of plays where they showed, you know, the all 22 view and you can see Virginia like showing one thing and rotating into something yeah, else like safety guys, rotations and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And even when they give up a pass, they're, they've been really good at getting the guy to the ground, um, not letting them get too many extra yards. I think that's the biggest difference. Honestly, yeah, it, adding the pressure yeah. is like, you're not letting a five yard pass hit the sideline for a 25 yard gain. Like, yeah. Uh, there was a couple of plays like the Schrader touchdown. I think it was Lex Long. Kind of took a bad angle, you know, and 
you know, you hadn't seen him in person. You can't judge his speed. I think he's just a little faster than he thought he was. And that was also like I don't know if 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 Doctor Bob called that or if Schrader just did it himself. But that was a a great decision in that situation. Like, you know, you yeah, get, had the right defense on, and it's like they were giving him those yards, and he was like, "Well, if I can make one guy miss, I'm scoring." You know. Yeah, and they, like Gaston just ate him up the first half. I think he had one catch in the second. Um, he so had they, a big catch on the last drive. That yeah, kind of yeah it was a big catch, but he <laughs> helped move the ball. But yeah, they're just, it's amazing. Like, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, yeah. I, Definitely I, exceeding I, my expectations. Yeah, I was um, going to say for sure. I mean, dude. And this was a big game for me because I was like, I want to see them do it against a team with a running quarterback and some real skill talent. I mean, not yeah. that Syrac- Syracuse isn't North Carolina in terms of skill talent, but like, um, yeah, I mean, like, I kept. I kept thinking like when the offense couldn't get it going, I was like, man, the defense has been so good. Like, I don't even care. Like eventually the dam is going to break and they're going to give something up. But like, you know, I'm not going to put this on them because like right. they've done all they could to keep the offense in the game long enough to have a chance to, to put it together. And yeah. they just haven't. Yeah. And the defense just never gave anything up. <laughs> like, yeah. They just, eventually um, you just start expecting them to get the stops and it sucks that they gave up the field goal at the end. And right. you know, if there's one thing they can clean up, it's the penalties. Cause I think they had more than the offense did, right. but yeah. you know, like some of those were like, we just talked about two of them, two 15 yard penalties were kind of like bad luck. Yeah, I I, I want to touch on this real quick. If you had told me before this game that that the Tucker kid was only going to run for sixty yards, I would have assumed that, that either Virginia won in a walk or Syracuse won in a walk, right? I yeah, and they like took him out of the game. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The only reason he didn't have a bunch of yards is because the Schrader kid was throwing it all over the yard, right? Or because they they you know Virginia got out to an early lead and Syracuse couldn't catch up, right? Because they're having to throw too much. Um. But the fact that Virginia was able to limit that kid and limit the offense from scoring more than they scored, especially considering the you know sort of field position situation that Virginia was kind of putting itself in, uh, or excuse me, putting the defense in, um, you know, the the bottom line on the the offensive issues right now is that like they've got to be better. I, I I mentioned this and got you know sort of underscored this a little bit in the column the other day, but like. Think about like what happens when the defense is not out there as much or when the offense is giving them actual points, you know? Um, they're about to play a Duke team that has not scored less than 27 all season, right? Um, Virginia's done that once where they scored, you know, more than that. Um, they won a game 16-14. They lost a game where they only scored three. Now, obviously, this game they only had 20. Um But in, in general, like if the offense starts to score points, the defense, I mean... Imagine them putting their ears back a little bit, right? Being able to actually be even more aggressive than we've seen them. Um, and I think I think those kids in the secondary are really growing up in a hurry, man. Um, I really love what I've seen from the defense. And, I mean, frankly, John Rosinski is not getting enough love, man. He's just not getting enough credit. And I think all of us are talking about it. It's just, it, it's just like the night and day growth of that group and development of that group is so, like, phenomenal that it's hard to put – the the kudos in the right sort of word frames you know what I mean like it's it's really tough to give Rudd his his flowers on this because he deserves them so like copiously um I mean they've taken a unit that was just like legitimately one of the worst I'd ever seen and made them into not just a good defense but like an absolute strength for the team now if Virginia's offense was scoring the way that we we're accustomed to seeing them score, the putting the yards up that we we're accustomed to them putting you up, like 
would we feel this way about the defense? Would we feel like they're the backbone of the team? I don't know. But all I know is what I see right now is a defense that can absolutely bring it each week. And I, I think Ferber's point about Syracuse and, and wanting to see him do it against like quote-unquote real offenses is accurate. And, I mean, they absolutely passed that test with flying colors. And I also think one more. this is kind of a small point, and I don't want people to read too much into it, but, you know, I think right now there's a lot of criticism about what's going on with the offense. Tony Elliott also deserves credit for what's going on with the defense. That's a really good point, man. That's he hired really good John Rosinski and the defensive staff, and they're doing a really nice job. And like you know, the head coach he is still really the staff involved. And they went, then got Rosinski, right? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like, it's not like it, you can't just be like he has nothing to do with that. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah. He's not calling yeah. the defense, but he's putting guys in a position to, to improve. So if you're looking at holistically where UVA is, and this is, I guess, kind of back to what Dave said at the top of the show, holistically, this team isn't that different than they were last year. They just have different problems and strengths. And the yep. defense, like, we're again, I, I'm not trying to sound like a Debbie Downer, but there's probably going to be some, like, tougher moments as we go right. through the season and you play some better teams. But um, they've at least shown that they can be competent and they're much improved. And you have some players that give you optimism about next year and beyond, you know, especially at the secondary and some of the linemen, but you know, I, I think like they have different problems than last year, but you can't just be like, Oh, this coaching staff ruined the offense without giving them credit for the defense. Yeah. I mean, and just to, <laughs> just to give them more flowers. Like, I mean, I think it was like halftime and Syracuse's average starting position was like R 40. Right. Um, and it was bad for a maybe it was late first quarter, but um, you know the defense was put in some terrible spots. Mm-hmm. It's not like they had long drives, and that's been the case several times this season. Illinois, you know, here. Um, so yeah, I like him. And then just just a little side note on Rudzinski. I think he might be the call. Like I don't, we don't get to hear what he's saying on the sidelines. And there's you know Tony Elliott kind of mentioned he gets fired up during the games. Seems kind of like a gamer. Um, yeah, but I I can't think of a defensive coordinator in my time that's as calm as that dude is during a press conference. Not that it means anything. It's just um, interesting. So I, what I find interesting about him is he is he's very reserved in a um, how do I put this? Like when when he's answering questions, you one hundred percent realize that his entire job is to not say anything, right? Like he is doing everything he can. To not yeah, but he does it far. nicely, <laughs> but he does it in this way that both like sort of invokes this like intensity, but also not um, like a disregard for your question, right? Nicole. So if you ask him about something, he he basically is going to tell you like, oh, I want to see the film, but he's going to say it to you. Well, you know, you know, we did this, we did that, we, you know, was this was good. We'll have to take a look at the film and see if we did this right or if we did that right, whatever. Like he's very good at answering the question without without offering up too much information. Um, I'm curious if that's a thing that he's always sort of like a way he's always been, or if that's something that sort of just happened over time. Um, but I, I think that his ability to like not say a whole lot, but never be a jerk about it is, is rather rare. Um, and you're right. Like very few coordinators are going to be that calm. Um, he, he's a, he's clearly, you know, it's funny. He, he reminds me of like, um, like almost like a younger guy who doesn't necessarily know what he doesn't know. Um, in the sense that like, he's not, he, like I said, he's not saying much, 
Um, and a lot of times in, in situations where, whether it's players or coaches or whoever, when they're not saying much, there's a reason for that. And a lot of times the reason is, is that they're not sure how to articulate it, right? Oh, he knows how to say, he, he could absolutely tell you unequivocally, this is why this happened, but he doesn't want to. And I think he's, his, his command of that piece of the thing tells, it, it implies to me a lot more about his style then I think that it, that makes any sense to most people who don't like talk to coaches a lot. You know what I mean? Like you can get a whole lot from your sh- these interactions with him, um, which is one. I mean, honestly, it was like one of the reasons I was like, all right, I'm going to start, you know, for home games, I'm going to throw the video up there um, just so people can kind of see it for themselves because um, you know, both the new, co- both the coordinators have uh, bring a lot to the table. Um, we're a good ways into this. Um, so let me, let's, let's transit d- transition over to Duke. Uh, Blue Devils come in um, fresh off of their uh, first loss of the season, a 35-27 defeat out in Lawrence, Kansas, to the mighty, mighty Kansas Jayhawks, who would have thought. Um, before that, man, Duke's just putting up a bunch of points, 30 to nothing over Temple, 31-23 over Northwestern um, out in Illinois, and then they beat up on uh, North Carolina A&T prior to heading out to um, Kansas. Uh, an interesting matchup in part because of the situation, right? Two new coaches, <laughs> I guess if you believe some Duke fans, you know, one of the coaches in this game was not offered the other team's job. Um, it certainly feels like to me that that's what happened, but, you know, hey, you do you. Um, but there's also the piece of this where you not only have the two new coaches and all that fun stuff, but there's also the coastal piece of this. Um, this is Virginia's coastal opener, Duke's coastal opener. Um I guess this is actually Duke's ACC opener as well. Um, and, and an interesting run of games coming up for a coastal division that seems pretty wide open at the moment. And in addition to that, you got the weather, right? You got the remnants of the hurricane coming through. Hard to know like exactly what time frame the wind and the rain will arrive um, to the Carolinas. Uh, it doesn't seem like, at least for South Carolina, it'll be long. Um, my guess is sometime Friday night into Saturday, will it, will it linger? What's the field going to be like? All that kind of fun stuff, uh, Dave. In in terms of this matchup, what do you think's the the most important piece for the Cavaliers going into this thing? Um, they got to win. I mean, no, no. I mean, I think the important piece is uh, well, obviously. Like, let's just throw it out so we don't have to talk about a hundred times. Protecting the ball in the weather is going to be number one, right? Um, if it's if it's as bad as we thought, but let's just say that's a given. Um, like I don't know what Duke is. I've, I've watched quite a bit of them the last. I haven't watched them much. Like I didn't watch their Kansas game, so I've been watching the last couple of days. I still don't know if they're good. I just think they're more disciplined, um, and they're playing with more effort than I've seen from Duke, at least in games against Virginia the last few years. I don't know how good their opponents have been outside of Kansas. Um, you know, Northwestern doesn't look great. Temple, I think Temple's only other win is UMass, maybe. Or no, I think Temple beat Lafayette or somebody too. Um, but they do, you know. Leonard looks good. You know, he's very accurate when he throws the ball. But you know, it seems to be everything's set up around the run. So you know, Virginia's gonna have to stop the run and and make Duke pass. And you know, even if this was good weather, I think that's the strategy. And then Virginia's gonna have to do the same offensively. I think Virginia's gotta establish the run and and kind of pass off of it. You know, even if. Even if uh, we weren't, you know, questioning the weather and the uh, the play of the you know the passing game, I still think that's how I would attack this Duke team, which is, you know, 
not playing great on offense. They've given up a lot of yards. I mean, on defense, they've given up a lot of yards to just about everyone they played. I think can't remember which team. I think it was Temple that rushed for over. No, no, I can't remember. One of the a couple of the opponents rushed for over 200 yards against Duke. So yeah, Duke um, is currently that's how uh, 12th in the league in um, um, total defense, giving up 393 yards per game. Yeah, so you got you know the the defensive coordinator team can't play good defense and the offensive coordinators team hasn't put the <laughs> offensive piece together so it'd be interesting combination but yeah i think the run game is going to be huge and you know yeah i like to say i think this is a, a game virginia can take care of business in but you know i think it's going to be a challenge especially when you factor in the thing i said we don't need to talk about <laughs> the thing we don't need to talk about also duke currently they've given up a thousand and ten yards um through the air so far the season, which would put them, um, what, tw- 12th in the league in that as well. Um, not necessarily in terms of production. They're middle of the pack in rushing defense. Um, obviously, from a um, you know big-picture standpoint, Ferber, some of these things are, I mean, there's only four games, right? So there's not but so much to get super, you know, jacked about. But, you know, look, this is a, a Duke defense that, despite you know what they're middle of the pack maybe sixth or seventh in uh scoring defense they give up a lot of yards and maybe this is something that you know maybe this is the kind of right time for uva in the sense of you know we've seen them sort of put some some things together here um what do you like about this matchup for uva and what concerns you aside from ball security and everything that goes along with the weather um i would say things i like i think this is a game where um you know, Duke's going to be creative on offense for sure, but I think it's kind of straightforward, like who they are. They're going to, like Dave said, they're going to probably try to run the ball more than they're going to throw it. And that's amplified in the weather. Um, you know, I think that it's going to be a, a game at the line of scrimmage and um, Duke's not bad, obviously, but like, you know, it's not like they're terrible and they're clearly much improved and clearly better than I thought they were going to be. Um, but it's not a game where UVA should be like overwhelmed up front on either side of the ball. I don't think, um, you know, so they should be able to, to run the ball a little bit, you know, it's going to be hard. They're going to have stack boxes, but I think that it goes both ways. Um, you know, given if the weather is really bad, um, and the field isn't good and on the wind and all that stuff. Um, so I think this could be a game where the defense can win it for them by just kind of stopping the run, putting Duke in uncomfortable situations, but that's going to come down to the offense's ability to take advantage of those um, and score early and, and not try to play this come from behind type game that they did last week where they need a lot of things to go right to be able to get back into it, especially with the weather and everything. It's just going to be harder to do that. Um, As far as things I don't like uh, Dave, I mean, the ball security thing is pretty obvious. The weather is going to limit what you can do offensively. Um, which makes it harder to run the ball probably because everybody's going to be, everybody's going to know that's what they're going to be trying to do. If the weather is bad. Um, another thing that I don't like is the special teams um, mm, that UVA has put on the field, like the kicking game, just like little mistakes and then all the penalties and things like that too. So I think it's going to be a game that comes down to those sorts of things. Like, do you get a punt blocked? Do you get miss a chip shot field goal? Do you have like a bad kick on a kickoff because, you know, a guy slips or something, you know, that those sorts of things are going to probably decide this sort of game. If it is in bad weather, um, in an odd way, like UVA is probably more comfortable playing a game just because Duke hasn't had to be in one of these yet, but like UVA is probably more comfortable playing a game where it's like ugly, you know, 17, yeah. 14, yeah. 16, 13, 
um, given like what they've been in. So, I mean, we'll see how that goes, but yeah, UVA is going to have to play cleaner than they have though. And and the weather is certainly going to amplify the issue that they've had there. The Leonard kid is yeah. third in the league in, in yards per game. And what I find interesting here is that while Duke doesn't have any rushers in the top 10 so far in the league in terms of rushing yards per game, what they do have is three dudes in the top 16, right? So the yeah, Waters they've been kind of splitting the carries. Yeah, Coleman and then Leonard himself. So what I find, you know, interesting about that is, is that even though, you know, we think of, you know, what, um, you know, Virginia's been doing on the ground, that consistency, like Duke can, can kind of do it both ways. And I think it's going to be even more important than normal. Um, you know, execution is just going to be huge because, you know, whether or not, you know, whether you have weather or not, right? So whether or not, it's um, it, I think it's imperative for this group to to get a you know off to a good start. I'm a little worried about the fact that it's going to rain like all day. And listen, at the end of the day, like, dude, these are humans, right? Like, we're you know they're not you know robots, right? They're going to sit around and do nothing, and it's going to be miserable outside all day. And they're all they're going to be like just sitting around. And then you got to go outside and play, you know, and if it's, it's going to be miserable, right? Um, a lot of times these games are determined by like who wants it more. Exactly. And that's like, that's you definitely be... see teams check out in like cold weather games and wet games and things like that. It doesn't yeah. always happen that way, but a lot of times right. you see like one team just like does when things start going, especially this is why I think UVA has to get off to a good start. Cause when things start going bad, I think that makes it easier to just easier, be like, screw right. this. Like, this sucks. Like, Again, I don't want to like, be out and that's here. That's no shade. I mean, they're, like, they're humans. Yeah, it right? could like, easily happen to Duke, too. I mean, you exactly, know, they get down 14 sure. nothing, and they're like, oh, man, this sucks. <laughs> for sure. Um, I also want to talk real quick about, like, this this whole Duke, like, fantasy or Duke fan fantasy, I guess, that Tony Elliott was never, like, offered the job or whatever. Like, what what reason would he have to come out and talk you know what i'm saying like why would he do that if that and like this whole like fiction of well that never this is like this is the most like oh he committed to uva well we never offered him anyway sort of things and i don't get it at all um i you know if 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 no one else was in the room where it happened (laughs) it's been a while since you dropped a hamilton reference well done um but like if Tony Elliott had like left to go somewhere else, would would we all have pretended that he never that UVA didn't want him? Like we'll be like, nah, that didn't happen. Like it just the whole thing is baffling to me. You probably have some people that did that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's a non-story. I think I don't I don't really yeah. think it's worth talking about. To be no, honest. that's fine. I just I just it 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 stuck in my craw a little bit just because I think sometimes fans are ridiculous. All right, let's get to um, some picks. You guys want to do that next? Feel like that. That sounds um, like a good plan. We should switch it up and do picks now. We should. We should. <laughs> this do, is going to be go one th- of the most glaring, like in the preseason versus what we're going to do now. Um, yeah, I'm it's going to be one, probably to probably the... one of the worst, maybe the worst of the season. All right, season. I don't know this? if my total will equal what I have Virginia scoring. So here yeah. we go. All right, Dave. In the preseason, you had Virginia winning this game forty to fourteen. That that might actually be forty two to fourteen. As I it was look forty. At it. It was okay, 40. Thank you. 40 to 14. Dave, you want to keep that score this week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd love to. I mean, if Virginia wants to win that much, I'll keep it. But um, I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> if Virginia scores 40 points, it's going it, to. That means either this hurricane made a right hand turn and went somewhere and, and they found a passing game at the same time, or um, or, or Duke, Duke had eight just fumbles. sloppily turned the ball yeah. over. <laughs> um, 
but look, I look, I, I think Duke's a better team, uh, you know, than they've been. Not not than UVA. I think they're better than they've been. Um, but but I don't. I just can't pick them to beat Virginia. <laughs> I can't. I think you know. I trust Virginia's defense a lot. Um, look, the weather, both teams are going to be playing in it, but, you know, you can say what you want about Brennan and, and how he struggled this year, but he does have a lot more reps playing quarterback than Rylan Leonard does. Um, and those two guys are going to touch the ball the most on Saturday night. Um, even though, yeah, so. Does he I'll, have I'll, rain I'll, game experience? I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, wasn't but, it There raining? was definitely been some, like, light rain. Yeah. Like, but I can't say, remember there uh, being like a downpourish. But he grew up game. in Ohio, so he's definitely played in yeah bad weather. Um, I know he's said you know he doesn't like it, but that's fine. Um, Who does? I mean, yeah. nobody does. <laughs> but you know, and I think Virginia can run the ball on Duke, and I'm hoping you know Virginia's run defense has been pretty good, and um, I, I like. I think it's gonna be a great game. It's gonna be really tight. I think the Duke's a three point favorite now. Money has kind of moved that way, but. Um, I'm going to change it up. I'm trying to decide if I can get this game into the 20s. Um, this might be my first prediction where neither team scores 20. Let's make it interesting. I'm going to go um, 18 to 12, Virginia. And a game we are excited ends with the win. So is that just no touchdowns? I don't know how they're going to get there. Like extra points are going to be an adventure. <laughs> this so. is a this is a game where a safety could definitely happen. Yeah, which Virginia almost had on Saturday night, by the way. I mean Friday night, by the way. Um, Did they? Yeah, remember? No, we almost gave up on. Remember, Brendan got oh. sacked. On like oh the yeah, one yard he line. did get sacked in the end zone, but he had forward progress yeah, to the yeah. to the one. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, you know Duke's kicker is not great. He's having he's struggling this year too. He's six for ten on field goals with nothing over uh, thirty eight yards. So. Um, it should be a barn burner when the kickers are out there. I um, there's a joke here, having just looked at Twitter, to realize that uh, Aaron Judge just hit 61 as we were recording, and I'm really and glad Coolio that. died. That, okay, I was gonna make a joke, and now you made it. Now you now you, now you ruined it. Wow, you're gonna, gonna make a joke too no. soon. <laughs> that's two weeks in a row, uh, with the Monarchs. No, I guess that's that was the week before last. Time you know, death to Monarchs, and you're like, gosh, Brett. No, I wasn't going to make a joke about Coolio. I was going to make a joke about how Aaron, Aaron Judge hit a home run and they didn't break into the podcast to, to tell us about it. Um, but then you're like, oh, and Coolio died. Like, well, great. Thanks, Ferber, for that. Anyway, meanwhile, back at the at the ranch. Um, Ferber, in the preseason, you had this thing, 38-20 UVA. I can't wait to tell you all my number. Uh, what, what do you feel like now? Yeah, it's not going to be that high scoring, I don't think, unless that hurricane took a left or a right or somewhere. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think this will probably be a pretty ugly game. I don't think we've seen UVA play a game like this in a while, like what it could be, you know, weather-wise with, like, not just the rain, but the wet field and wind, you know, like potentially like a lot of wind. So, you know, this kind of feels like a game to me where it's like, the team that makes the fewest mistakes wins more than the team that makes a bunch of big plays wins. Um, and to be honest with you right now, I have more confidence in Duke doing that than UVA on their home field. Um, you know, certainly didn't think Duke was going to be very good coming into the season. They still might not be that good. They might just be like a four and eight or a five and seven type team that played nobody, you know, and caught off to a good start, but they're certainly somewhat competent. I mean, like they didn't just beat temple, they beat temple 30 to nothing, you know? So 
I, I think, you know, they're going to bring it. They're going to want to win their ACC opener, UVA. I hope that UVA can come in and take positives from what happened in the second half at Syracuse and not kind of be down on themselves for losing um, and kind of use that as inspiration, especially the way they ran the ball. I mean, that makes me feel a lot better about UVA in this game than I would have that we've seen them kind of run the ball and, and be effective there. Um, they're going to need that. They're going to need to take care of the football. Um, and this could be a game where it's like you just kind of like try to minimize damage. And instead of going to try to score a touchdown every time you get the ball, you really just try not to give up a fumble and play the field position game and ultimately try to squeak one out. Um, or it could just be like light rain and the game could be normal, you know? Um, but I think I trust Duke a little bit more to not kill themselves with mistakes right now, just given how many fumbles UVA's had and special teams errors and 12 penalties last week. Like, I just feel like Duke is playing a little bit more clean now and they're at home. Um, so I'll take them to win. I don't have a lot of confidence in them to win, but um, give me Duke. 17 to 10. 17 to 10. So I had this whole conversation myself before we were starting this um, as one of you guys were answering earlier. And I was thinking about how, um, you know, in the bigger, I don't know, bigger picture, a lot of the times when you're picking scores, you're trying to like get a sense of uh, odd numbers and whatever, whatever. This one seems pretty cut and dry to me that there's going to be like zero field goals, uh, Therein, yeah, I right? picked too many um, <laughs> in my score. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> and so I was like, this feels like where it's going to be like two touch. It's like if you break it all down, it's like it'd be like three to one, two to one. You're right. Just, you know, it's just all about touch. They can just count by ones. <laughs> exactly. Um, there, there's supposed to be some clearing. If you look up the, the weather, at least as of now for, um, for the triangle. Um, Saturday it seems like night. the hardest stuff is going to be like Friday night into Saturday morning through right. the day, Saturday. And then in the evening, it's going to rain, but not as bad. Yeah. Like afternoon, it looks like it gets kind of cloudy. Um, it goes from, you know, straight rain to clouds and, and the precipitation amount for the day is not terrible. Um, actually looking at that forecast, make me rethink my whole decision. Honestly, one of the hardest things <laughs> might be going. UVA getting down there. Yeah, that's like, fair. Yeah, that's true. I might, might be bus time anyway. Uh, in the preseason, I had it uh, forty. Sorry, forty-seven, thirteen. So, yeah, um, we're gonna be changing that up. I kind of feel like we should have given two different picks for this game: the the Ian pick and then the normal pick, right? Like, what would if if the rain isn't that big an issue, kind of thing? Um, having just looked at the radar, I'm suddenly rethinking my whole. It's all gonna be just touchdowns through and through. But I guess I'll stick to it. Um, listen, I think Virginia has a very good chance to win this game. I think right now, if this game was in Charlottesville, I might feel differently, but that whole sitting around waiting all day thing is sticking with me. And, um, I, 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 I kind of hope they go out and prove me wrong on this, but I'm going to take Duke 14 to seven in large part, because I think, you know, like I said before, if it's a rainy, windy sort of situation, uh, going to be a whole lot of, uh, whole, you know, if, it, if there are points, it's going to be touchdowns, not field goals. So there you go. Have you guys, have you guys watched Duke? <laughs> I watched They're them a little not bit. Very yeah. good, man. They're no, I think. Very... No, I think. Have they... you watched Virginia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think Virginia's played two teams better than. Well, that's fair. Yeah. The one Syracuse knock on Duke Illinois, right now is that are... they don't. Ha they have not really played a whole. Virginia lot lost to both of them. Yeah, yeah, I mean that was my yeah. first thing too. Was I looked at their? I was like, man, they're kind of running it up on these teams. And then I mean, like North Carolina A and T is not even like a good FCS team. Yeah, um, but did you see what they, what they did, what, what they put on Duke. I mean, they moved, they scored twenty points on Duke. Mm -hmm. and moved yeah, the ball I mean, like I Duke. said, there there's definitely a possible like regression here. 
217 um, yards rushing for North Carolina A&T. Yeah. Look, all I'm saying is, is that if my reverse jinx works, then you guys can thank yeah. me later. Okay. No, I get it. Okay. I yeah, UVA it. can definitely win the game, but I think it's one of those games where, like, when you amplify the mistakes, UVA certainly has been mistake prone, and, and that's, that's more that's related me, to them than the opponent. That's like, what gives me well, some some pause here. Honestly, is like, if Virginia's not going to play clean when it's in the dome, what are they going to do when it's pouring down rain, man? You know, um, and I'm not asking, I'm not saying they have to play clean. They have to, you know, no turnovers all game long. Yeah. That's a lot of turnover yardage, you know, so. Well, and rain yeah, amplifies yeah, I, I holdings and all kinds of stuff. Virginia is forcing more turnovers in there. That's create, true. You know, That's very true. Um, so if, if they can turn Duke over, uh, the problem is Virginia just hasn't taken advantage of the. They got to do something with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, maybe that happened. If that what does happen, be, like we could well, all laugh at the final score. This uh, is one of no those seasons to too, where like for I mean we'll see how the rest of the season plays out, but like. Um, I feel like if you told me this, this is one of those games where like, same with Syracuse, honestly. Um, if you told me the score ahead of the game, I might be able to tell you where, who I think won. You know what I mean? If if the score is like, I don't know, what's a UVA winning score? Like, I genuinely think it's like 14. I what saying, but I think I would have picked yeah. Virginia to win the score of the Syracuse-Virginia game. Yeah, That's probably. Yeah. yeah, I would have felt yeah. a lot better about that than like 38-13 or something like that, you know? I mean, but I, if you I, told I think, me, but if I told you this game was, let's say, thirty-one to fourteen, who would you pick? Virginia, Virginia, Duke. I, listen, I'm not saying that that they can't put up, but I mean, like, what has this offense shown you to think that they can do this consistently? No, I assume the defense has scored and turned them over a lot. Like <laughs> Dave's assumed that they've returned two pick sixes. Yeah, I would have to, to take Duke. I, re, I mean, I was really thinking about it just because Duke has shown an ability to score consistently. Exactly. Like, Again, my problem here is not necessarily that UVA is incapable or that, it, you know, it's like when you're picking something to me, there's got to be some sort of like. Um, what's more likely, not like. What, right. Likelihood, yeah, like probability. What's possible. Ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so like right now, you know, the more likely answer is that Duke's going to win the game. Right. If Virginia wins, I'm not going to be surprised. Right. Even if Virginia won it handily, I wouldn't be surprised. But that. That this is a game me. where like there's a lot of different possible outcomes. Like we right. could just find out that Duke is worse than we than I think. That's very fair. And we could UVA find out figures some stuff out and they run the ball and they take advantage of the turnovers and you know they they do what they need to do. Um, we Vegas might find out that Duke is every Duke bit is as shady as or as sketchy as as uh, as Duke as Dave thinks they are. So there you go. Well, but I mean, like, a, and I think too we have to think about like the Syracuse result was credit to UVA for keeping it close and they did a lot of things to keep themselves in the game but Syracuse also did a lot of things to keep UVA in the game. Yeah, that's true. I mean in, like, in a lot of ways Virginia should have won that game. Yeah, and I think Syracuse can like if you're a Syracuse fan right now, you're probably like we should have won by 20. Like if we had just scored more touchdowns in the red zone and like not turned the ball over on special teams, like we would have won by 20. You know? Exactly. So I think like you have to kind of look at all the out- outcomes with that. Like Oh, sure. And I think, like, one quick thing before we go, (laughs) I think right now, like, where the fan base is and where UVA is, I was thinking about this earlier, and I wanted to make sure I said it. The season going forward will be defined by three things, I think, and, like, how people feel about it. One is the offense. Do they get better? Does it stay like this? Do they figure some stuff out? I don't think they're going to get to the place where they were last year, but, like, by the end of the season, are we looking back like, okay, like they had a rough go of it and they got out of it and credit to them. It seems like they turned the corner 
Or do we say like, man, the offense was just a disaster the whole way through. I don't know which one it's going to be. Um, but that's one. The other one is going to be this three game stretch because this three game stretch, I think kind of defines where your season is going. So it's like, you can, you could come out of this. If things really worked out for you, you could win all three games because they're all winnable games. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but like, I think, you know, if you go two and one, even like you've set yourself up for a stretch run where you've got a bunch of home games and some winnable games at the end, um, you could do something and at least kind of turn things around. And it's like, man, things kind of started rough, but we got it together and won the games in the middle that we needed to, to kind of turn around just like they did last year when they were two and two and then got to six and two. Are you still um, going to be all, are you going to be a Georgia tech stand now that Jeff Collins has been fired? You might double down. I don't know. I mean, if UVA <laughs> keeps playing the way they have on offense, like why can't they lose that game? Oh yeah. I, mean, I get you. Yeah. I, no, I'm just, you know, I just was, you said the thing about the next three games, you know, and you were like, no, I don't think they will. And I was looking at your picks and I was like, Oh, that's right. I forgot you were all about the, I forgot about our joke with the preseason about Georgia tech. Just ragging on me. <laughs> what did you guys well, pick UVA to finish this year again? Just, just for the record. <laughs> hey, mine is still in play. Hey, I'm, all right. Yeah. Mine's still, yeah, both both are. still in play. Yeah. Um, no, but then the third thing is, is the tech game. Yeah. That's the yeah. other thing that matters. Well, so to like, me, if like, you, if you know, you can bail yourself out, if you go, if you, let's say the offense doesn't turn it around, but you end up like five and seven, but you beat tech. I think people kind of forgive a little bit more. They do. Listen, yeah, they could, like, they could squander the whole entire Brendan Armstrong, um, victory lap thing. Right. And end up three and nine and people would be excited because if that third one is Virginia Tech, that's all that matters. And I, and I don't mean that in the like, you know, people are nuts. I'm gen, I genuinely, firmly believe that people would be like, yeah, that was a rough first year, but hey, we beat Tech. Like that's all. I mean, like I, and I, I am especially since positive. people feel like that's so mental. They'll They're feel like, that. Oh, way. they got they, over they, that mental hurdle of like, you know, they will I, feel I, that way after it happens. But can you imagine how miserable it's going to be up until that final whistle of that game? Yes. I mean, I'm finding I'm finding like Virginia Twitter almost unbearable right now. We're two and two well, and have lost my, two road my games. My bigger point you know? here is that as underdogs is that, is that I genuinely think that the losses to tech for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, they are the they are the thing that drives everything. And then last I year, agree. the way that that thing ended, considering the season they had and da, 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 da. Um, yeah, it's bad. And it's, yeah, and it's the same thing that buoys Virginia Tech. Like, you know, it's. No matter, like, you know, I've talked to Tech fans and they're like, you know, after the ODU game and they were just like, we're terrible. We're terrible. Um, I was like, it's going to be a bad season for you guys. They're like, well, we'll still beat you because we always do no matter how bad we are. Like, like that's a nice comeback, right? Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Um, it's hard to lose to that. But to me, like, this, you know, this game is almost a must win. Um, yeah, for, you're getting to me. that. You're getting to that territory. Like, yeah, from a, from a keeping the natives, you know, you know, keeping what's the word, what's the term I'm looking at? Just keeping sanity amongst the fan base, you know, keeping the support you do have Duke, no matter how good they might be this year versus the past, this isn't a game you can win. You know, you can afford to lose um, from a, the casual fan perspective. Right. Cause they're still three and one, um, you know, they're not, they lost and they lost to Kansas, which, who knows what Kansas is going to be in this year? They're probably not going to go eleven. And Duke, Duke didn't play terrible in that game, but they weren't really like as in it as the score. I mean, no, Kansas was up all. two scores most of the game. Like, yeah, it was pretty comfortable. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, like if if Tony Elliott loses this game, 
the Virginia Tech game becomes even more important. Uh, every everything the, every listen nothing I, I I firmly believe nothing matters more. You're not, if you're not going to win the coastal and you're not going to like go to the Orange Bowl or whatever whatever. The and only most thing, years you're not going to do that, right? You know? The only thing that matters is Virginia Tech, right? Yeah. And frankly, but, like given what we've seen from Tech, I mean, we it, it remains to be seen where they go from here. Obviously, of course, but like the best thing uh, that, that could game, happen, man, has the potential to be so bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> yes, it does. It really does. But, or but all that said, like, or you know, even Virginia. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, or it, or they he wins it, and now all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's a new era, and that. Like, I don't mean to be like a outlandish person here, but like they could sell the crap out of that. You know, mm-hmm. it's a new new era, new time. You know, Tony Elliott is undefeated against Virginia Tech and stuff, blah, blah, blah. Here's here's how big a deal this game is. It is September 28th, and we already are both scared to death of it and also like, but what if it went right, right? Like that, it, that is a perfect microcosm to how important that game is on the schedule. Yeah. If you had to pick a score for that game today, <laughs> like 13-9, like what are we talking about? Yeah, here? I mean, factor in the cold weather. Both yeah, I mean, defenses just beating the ever-loving crap out of the other offense. I mean, it could be like, you know. 10-7. Yeah, 10-7, not out of the question. Um, 7-3. 7-3. I mean, who knows? Um, I mean, I'll tell you, it's not not a trip I'm probably going to be making. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I'll um, be there. But yeah, but yeah it's... um. Oh, the answer to the last time we played in the rain. Um, it's I remember the pit the, Friday night. Yeah, that was 2018. Yeah, was um, terrible. Thanks to Brandon for remembering that, Mister Long Term Memory. That yeah, was I remember that. There was well, so there were a few well. rainy games with Perkins as the quarterback. Yeah, they were, yeah. and they were all bad. Like they played bad in them. Um, I'm not, your, it's not all your, on him. The I, Indiana game where they like couldn't score. Oh, any that's points. right. Yeah, the Indiana game wasn't that a remnant of a hurricane? See too? them. Um, Hey, wait, yeah, they had quick. like three or four games where it was like pouring rain and he just like couldn't get it going. What's uh, yeah. what's your quintessential UVA rain game and why is it not the Texas game? That was 100% I was the Texas it. game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. Tiki I've Barber never been. I think I'm still. I think my. I think I still have clothes that are still soaked. Like I, I like I don't know if I've ever been that like damp in my life. Like oh, but it was good. We it, won. it was like, great. It, I had so I remember my mom and I. We just had an absolute blast. Because I mean, it was like, look, everything I've got is soaking wet anyway, so who cares, right? But yeah. like, it was like down to your bones, you know. The oh, one that I remember, the most positive one I can remember is probably the pit or the Georgia Tech win to get back to a bowl. Oh yeah, in oh, 2017. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about. That I mean, they've one. had that a lot a of bad one. rain games, but that one was like a pot, and that one it rained enough to where it was a thing. Like it wasn't like it was raining hard. Uh, the BYU win over Bronco. Was like oh, there was like true. Yeah, that true. game yeah, got a lot stopped. of that rain was at halftime right. though, wasn't it? No, it, was it was pouring the in game. the second half. It was before the game, wasn't it? Didn't like, they, didn't they, they like extend halftime because of flooding or something? No, it it, it was a delay in the first half, and then we yeah. came oh, okay. back, and it was pouring down rain again. And David right. Watford threw like a dime to Darius Jennings for a touchdown in the pouring rain. There's a thing oh, you yeah. couldn't say very often. David Watford threw a dime. Sorry, but that one, I, I will tell pass. you, I will tell you real quick. The the rainiest, like worst weather game I've ever been to was the Virginia Tech Boston College Matt Ryan game. Oh, you were that. there? Yep, sure oh, was. was awesome. Terrible, 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 terrible. Just fine. Yeah, it was a <laughs> Thursday night was. game. That place was jumping <laughs> for that one too. I mean, because it was two top ten teams, and that oh, game yeah. was so boring. Like nothing happened for like until like the last minutes. <laughs> yeah. three minutes. Yeah, yeah, and then it was a crazy ending, and we were like, did that just happen? 
you know how hard um, it, you know, I was with my in-laws. Um, you know how hard it was not to like hoot and holler when they recovered that onside kick. And then yes, yes, boom. we know exactly. Yeah, because the first touchdown was. was a sick play by Matt Ryan, but we we're like, well, they're still going to lose unless yeah. something crazy happens, and then, and then something, something crazy, crazy happened. happened. Yeah, yeah. But right, the coldest one, uh, the, the, the just that I had a ring. I don't know. Someone who was there will have to remind me with a year, but it was against Maryland. It had to be the late 90s, early 2000s. It was raining like crazy, and it was in the 30s. And I can't remember if Virginia won or, lo- won or lost, but I remember Walt and I were staying, like we were sitting on um, the west side, I think it was, and I was so cold, like my butt cheeks were shivering as I stood up. That's the <laughs> coldest I've ever been in my life. There's and the that- title. There's the title. <laughs> that was how that oh. Tech BC game was. Been it was that in cold. November, was and it was like 40 degrees and raining. Uh, like, there was, was this horrible. one. In, I think I've told this story before, but there was this. I brought a friend of mine to the um, to the Shab um, Rivers battle that year, and it was cold as hell that day. I mean, it was cold, and then my friend could never come again. So. Those are the rules. Anyway, all right, let's let's uh, let's land this plane before people uh, turn us off. I I really wanted to make a joke when you guys were talking about the Tech Boston College game, and I was like, man, uh, gotta love when the UVA podcast veers off into how great, a, how boring a game was. I mean, if it was some random game, I probably wouldn't have brought it up. But that was <laughs> no, a game I know, where I know, I know. We were like, let's just go to this game, and then we went, and we were like, that's so funny that we were there like, for Can that you- game. <laughs> Can you imagine now looking back on it being like, you know, current you like just going to a random Thursday night football game just because mm-hmm. like, no. I've had people ask me like how loud lane is or like how like what's the loudest place I've ever been. And I said lane is the quietest place I've ever been on that play. Like <laughs> I've never heard a stadium that quiet. Yeah. Ever. Groovy. Um, let's hope they do it again. Okay. Um, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod, has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. We got all the game week stuff rolling out. Uh, Dave's Cheers, Fears, and Beers, which I have yet to call Bears. So I feel like I'm doing pretty well. I realize I make this joke every week, but I genuinely am petrified at the fact that I'm going to say Bears. I don't know why, but I just think I am. Uh, we got the three, two, one. We got the PFF grades. I thought Ferber, you you're doing uh, some interesting stuff with the with the grades this year that are not just standard like how many snaps and who did this. I think you're doing a good job with that. So yeah, uh, thanks. I got a column up on Monday, uh, and then Ferber's take two, which is presented by the good folks over at myperfectfranchise.net. I want to thank them for their support of the website and of the show. You can visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber again graciously. Their time is always very much appreciate all that they do. So, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.